Hey, welcome to Another Bottle Down. This is a podcast about wine and the wine industry, and we interview winemakers and sommeliers and wine people from all over Texas as well as the world. Uh, We broadcast live on a radio station, community radio station in Austin called Co-op Radio. And, uh, and and work this podcast out uh, from all of our discussions. So hope you really enjoy it. And on today's show, we have Randy Hester, who is, he's a Texan who moved out to Napa in 2006 to, to really work on his winemaking chops. He worked with some crazy winemakers, Eric Erickson, Mike Herbie from Realm, uh, boy, uh, the, the team at Colgan. He learned his craft and then uh, and then has come back to Texas and uh, started a winery called C.L. Buteau. And we get into all of this stuff in the podcast. Uh, let's hear from Randy Hester. But first, I want to remind everybody, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast in the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, um, please do so. And I would love to hear any comments if you guys like it. really helps get the word out. And make sure to uh, like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash another bottle down radio. And, uh, and I just hope to enjoy and be in touch and hear all sorts of feedback and comments uh, through the, the life of this podcast. So very exciting stuff. Here's Randy Hester from CL Buto in Texas and Lightning Wines out of California. So I'm really excited uh, for this conversation. Randy, welcome to the Co-op Studios. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm really happy that uh, you know, you've know you done some radio in, in Sonoma, <laughs> and uh, your, your experiences are so vast. So um, we're going we're gonna to delve right in. Wow, I hope I live on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we started off pretty good. We tasted some wonderful wines in the lobby here, um, just to give us an idea of Texas versus California. You are now making both, right? And you will continue to make both? Right, yes, yes. Uh, started making wine in Napa in 2006. Started making wine in Texas in 2014. And yeah, we're definitely... And so the, so for folks listening out there who are not familiar with you and the, and the projects and the, and the wineries, mm-hmm. we have in Texas, it's C.L. Buto. And, yep. and is that the... What's the website on there for folks to follow along? Yep, uh, l- the letter C, the letter L... Uh, Buto is the last name. It's my great grandfather. So clbuto.com. B U T A U D. All right. Clbuto.com. And that has been around since 2014, right? To give perspective. The first vintage I made was to, uh, 2014, but we released that wine November of 2016. Right. There, it, you can't have immediate gratification in the wine world, right? <laughs> that no, not for me. That's that's not the real way to go about it. And then your California project, and you have a lot of things going on in California, and you have over the past 11 years, mm-hmm. but that project is Lightning Wines, right? That's correct. And Lightningwines.com. And light, yeah. uh, all Rome varietals, Rome-based. Uh, I specialize in Grenache, and uh, Grenache and Grenache-based blends. I do a little Syrah, do a white wine with Grenache Blanc, Picpoul, Marsan Roussan. So having a lot of fun there, too. Well, we're going to dig into how you, you <laughs> kind of found that niche in the California industry. Um, I want to I just start off uh, with, so you've been making wine in California since 2006 through various projects, and we're going to get there. Right. But for those folks who say you cannot make world-class wine in Texas, what, uh, you know... <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Because this is a, a conversation that we have. I try to highlight Texas winemakers. Yeah. I try to highlight winemakers from around the world. And uh, I still find folks out there in the public who say the nights are too warm or this or that. Or, you know, there's there's things that uh, that make high-class, world-class wine in Texas impossible, and you are here to, you know, to show people that that is, that that's not the case. No, that's not the case. We yeah. can we can make, because we can grow world-class fruit, we can grow fruit as well as any wine region anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, it just is a matter of experience and education, and that's what <clears throat> I wanted to go to Napa to get right. to bring back home, and that was... 11 years ago and that's yeah. that was that was the 10 year plan. Well, let's give us you're on plan, you're on schedule. <laughs> yes, 1 year behind. I got I got behind by a year. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the the wines are all on schedule and uh, yeah, we we did it. We were we were these weirdos who had a 5 year and a 10 year and a <laughs> A two-year. My two-year was just to get hired. Yeah. Um, but no, the 10-year was there. And yeah, that's what we came back to do was to, to raise the state of Texas in well, the wine industry. Amazing. So so let, let's kind of take it one step at a time. So mm-hmm. 2006, you were selling wine at that point in Houston, right? You're that's from correct. Houston. That's correct. And you, you got bit by the bug in some sort of way? Absolutely. When you're working with a distributor as big as Glaciers, you're meeting people from all over the world. And uh, it's a very gratifying position to, to when you're putting wine in people's hands, you know, they're going to celebrate. They're going somewhere to do something fun. What I came to realize, I wanted to create that something. I wanted to, I wanted to make something with my hands and my brain and my gut, and I want to put it all over the country. So today in 2017, uh, there's people all over this country that will go home for dinner tonight and pop a bottle of my wine. And that's, that's pretty dang cool. Yeah. Um, somebody asked me one time, what's it like to be a winemaker? Which was kind of a weird question, but I, I had to think about it for a second. And, 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 <laughs> but my answer was, you know, look, right now somebody's drinking my wine. It was a Friday night. It was right. a Friday night when I got asked this question. I said, look, right now somebody's drinking my wine. Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. It wasn't enough for you to be bringing the wines to the party or to, or to be facilitating that. It, you, you, you felt that need to, to, go, to go to the beginning, to go to the, to the genesis of it and actually make the wine. Were you interested in chemistry or, or, or horticulture, any, any like, you know, growing on an amateur level before all that? I'd say more into art, you okay. know, science yeah. as art. Yeah. Um, there's an art to, to math. There's an art to chemistry. There's, I, I don't know. I kind of see it that way. And, and if I can combine those things, I, 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 I'm completely useless as far as my college days goes. I'm a psychology major and a philosophy minor, <laughs> uh, undergrad only. So, um, but philosophy is really, if I could just make a living on philosophy, uh, man, I would nail it. <laughs> I could be sit around and be completely useless. But yeah, that it was the combination of those things. Um, when you start digging into it, you can just make something on a formula, or you can just sit back and watch how it all evolves or whatever. I want to. I want to guide it. I want to be the guide. I want to keep it between the lines, but I want to let it be what it's going to be. Yeah, I like that. And the winemaker as the guide is an interesting uh, mm. position. And 
you know, it's it's actually a hotly debated topic. It's it's kind of pushed marketing wise, right? But uh, we're going to talk about that. But so so you you go out, you make this decision, you go out. Your wife starts working for a winery out there, right. and you start on this trajectory. What how what was going through your head in that mo- that moment? Well, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. In 2006, I had been married for one year uh, to my wife Brooke, and. Um, you know, I, I said, hey, let's let's move. Let's let's so let's go somewhere so I can learn how to make wine. And uh, luckily, when we met, she knew I was looking. So that wasn't too, too out of out of the out of nowhere. But <laughs> but she's a CPA. Right. So she's she's working at Reliant Energy and she's, you know, pretty conservative as far as the job goes. And so that was a that was a big, you know, that was a big deal. Right. To pick our lives up. From you know Texas, you know economy too. By the way, right. moved to California. I took a twelve dollar an hour job at Cake Bread. Um, <laughs> you know a lot, a lot of things were different uh, after our first year of marriage. Um, you know twelve dollars an hour at Cake Bread, and, and and then when they hired me in the spring of two thousand seven. They bumped me to fourteen dollars an hour. All right, big time, big time, big time. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was an adjustment all the way around. Well, I mean that's that's an incredible sort of uh, reminder as well that um, there's so many pieces that that have to go into making this wine. Is always thought of as a you know luxury product and whatnot, but there's a, there's a lot of hard work that is hmm. um, not very much compensated uh, on the back end, right? And so, okay, so cake bread's a, 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 a Pretty world famous winery, Absolutely. and and they had a they has a have a pretty w- large winemaking team, right? right? And so you just you just kind of delve in there. Very lucky to get that job, first of all, and then you had to prove yourself, right? Because you know they they kept on working with you. Absolutely, you know, and I was with the distributor, but we didn't distribute cake bread. Right. Of all the connections I had through the distri- distribution, none of that worked. Right. So I actually got the cake bread job just as a cold call in, you know, interview, whatever. I hit it off with, with the HR person there. She and I are still in contact today because today I send her Texans to do <laughs> internships at cake bread. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 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 Presley from blue, blue ostrich. Oh yeah. And she yeah. was on the show just, a, uh, about a month ago or exactly. so. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So she went out there and worked at cake bread, uh, Nikila Nara from the Nara vineyards out in, out in the high plains. Oh wow. And, uh, we've got two kids out there, um, pretty soon so do you think so i mean you wanting to be the neck you know this nexus or uh, somebody who is kind of uh uh, guiding the the texas industry uh it's important for you that other winemakers here in texas might go and spend some time out there and see how things are are going on absolutely the coolest thing that i have experienced around that sort of cake bread uh internship uh idea was um was the winemaker for brennan vineyards he 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 hits me back and he's like, man, I've got to run my own production, right. but I would love to go do that. I, yeah. I just thought that was really cool. You know, he he gets it, and there's there's people here that get it. You you can't be good at this unless you continue to be a student of this. When you think you've got it figured out, you're in trouble, right? Because you don't. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, something is going to happen, and it, it's going to knock you off your stool and. Um, if you continue to learn. So yeah, you know, absolutely. And selfishly, I want to send Texas people to California to get that training because I want to hire them. Mm. I want them to come home 
and I want them to work for me so we can all go forward together. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you, what was maybe the, the major thing that you learned at Cake Bread? I mean, that, that you could do this, that you could, that you can make wine, um, that you didn't have to rely on a, a, a large name or what was it? It, 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 what I learned at Cake Bread was was how to do things right, how mm. to do things well. Um, I learned um, world class cellar work is what I learned. I was the lowest of the low. I was one of fourteen interns. I was the one that got hired. I was then one of twelve, I think, full time cellar people. Wow! You know, and I was a low. I was a low man. Yeah. Um, but what I learned was cellar work at a really high level and, and what happens when you do things right and what happens when you do things well. Um, I also learned uh, wine style from yeah. the cake breads. The cake breads, I think, like, as you mentioned, you know, known all over the world for what they've been doing for decades, decades yeah. at a high, high level. I, part of my wine style to this day is based on some of the things that I appreciate about cake bread, which is make wines that are, are drinkable today, right now, and make wines that are also ageable, which is, it, it sounds easy enough, but, <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't make, it, it, that's very difficult to do. Right. They also make wines, and I, I, I strive to do this, make wines that we can stand up at a, at a happy hour or a cocktail party and enjoy just the glass of wine, and it translates to sitting at the dinner table and works well with food. Yeah. Those are things that don't often all go together. Right. It, it might be, you know, we think of food maybe more with more robust characteristics, more tannin, all of that, and then that might not be enjoyable uh, alone. And so we'll kind of talk about that as and how that factors into your actual winemaking uh, as we as we kind of progress. So, um, you know, it's like that technique. So you, you, you learn winemaking technique at Cake Bread and just, you know, have it be second nature. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Where did you go from there? So uh, then Colgan Cellars. So Colgan, if you know Colgan, you're, you're, you're nodding your head. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to interrupt you too much, but yeah, Colgan is, and for folks who don't know Colgan, one of the, one of the cult, you know, one of the first kind of cult wineries or, you know, very, very, very acclaimed uh, winery from Napa. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, regular 100-point wine, yeah. average 96, 98-point wines, 500 bucks a bottle, five-year waiting list. Incredible, incredible experience. Um, changed my life. Changed my life when I got that job. The assistant winemaker there was a, was a Texas guy, a mm -hmm. Houston guy. Yeah. And I was actually visiting Colgan, and I probably said y'all, or I probably <laughs> said whatever yeah. I said that indicated that I was not from around there. Yeah. And he said, you know, let's go hang out. And, and he had a tasting group, and we just we, we got to know each other and eventually said, you know, you want to come to work. You want to take this internship. So I, I, I left the full time that I was working in to, to take another internship, but it put me in the top you know, 1% of all wineries anywhere in the world. Right. And um, that was an experience that I will never forget, ever. I mean, people, people who buy Colgan just hope to go visit there once, and I got to report there for work every day. Yeah, so yeah right. it was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Did you feel like um, there was less kind of structure and more of, a, of an idea of artistry? Did you get more of that artistry side out of that or more idea that a single vineyard, because they make, make a lot less wine than cake bread, mm -hmm. maybe you could uh, play around with plots a little bit more, or, or was it just 
just the the let's strive to make you know no holds barred the best the best possible wine from what we have well there was no mistaking i i was not there to make decisions or sure, play right, with right, anything right. yeah <laughs> um I, I was told in certain language your job is just to not mess up <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were very specific, right? They're very, I mean, because they're doing things at, at, at the world stage level, you know. So what I learned mainly is every single thing you do matters. And that's something that I still do in my winemaking today. Every single step you take, and you can think of it as working in your own kitchen. Everything you do, if you burn your garlic, then that flavor is going to permeate the rest of the meal. If whatever it is that you're doing, every step of it matters. If you're browning butter, can you? Can right? you? I love the kitchen analogies, but can you? Um, can you give us an an example of something very minuscule in the actual winery that would that would really change the character? I mean, as far as uh, something that folks w- listening out there would never even imagine that that this could could possibly go on and that from the winemaker point of view it could change the entire flavor of the wine absolutely i think one of the things that that we all strive to do in the in the winery is uh is to minimize seed tannin and uh when you're doing when you have your fermentations running on a red wine you you the red wine is soaking in the solids of the grape skins and the seeds and you there's a lot of potential tannin that you can um, pull from, from, from seeds that you don't want. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be extremely careful when you're doing your pump overs, which is um, pumping the good wine over the top of the solids to saturate the solids and keep them wet. So you can pull out from those solids the color or tannin and all that exactly. kind of stuff. Yeah. Or the punch downs, which is um, you're literally taking a device and punching those solids down into that wine below so those are two processes where you can extract these seed tannins if you're not watching what you're doing and a mm. lot of people aren't they're yeah. again they're 12 dollars they're 14 dollars interns they're not educated on what they're doing they just know they have to do it and so if you're not careful those steps that you take three times a day you're doing your punch downs or your pump overs Three times a day, you can be extracting those seed tannins if you're just out there screwing around. And if if you know what you're doing, you're being careful, you're going to make a lot better wine. And the the head winemaker or the management might be none the wiser. This might be just something that... You know they don't catch, and so absolutely, yeah. So did they have this rigorous training process for you to kind of teach you all of these little minuscule details, or you kind of just picked it up along the way? No, no, absolutely no. They 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 worked definitely worked hands on. Um, they hired two two of us for internships, and and they told us at the beginning, you know, this is we only need one, <laughs> right? Oh, wow. We only need one of you. So um, let's get this right. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely hands-on every step of the way. We want you to do things the way we want them done. Today, man, I completely, completely get that. You know, if I, if I drop my kids at the babysitter, right, I don't need them doing what they think they should be, you know, what they want to do with my kids, right? right? I, they need to do what I want done with my kids. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it was at Colgan. They, you know, you need to go do X, Y, and Z. I would go do X, Y, and Z. So it was... It has been my goal every year during harvest to not make a single mistake. I, I can remember on one hand um, specific mistakes that I've made, 
and and uh, so it's so that's not very many. And do they haunt you? I mean, or they just make you so much smarter, and you will never make that mistake again. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, I've, you know, nothing, nothing major. I mean, I had I had uh, two portable tanks one time, and half the fruit went in one, and half the fruit went in the other, and my boss wanted to use a yeast on tank A and a different yeast on tank B, and I swapped the yeast. Mm. It's not a big deal. It's no. the same exact wine. I just swapped the tank number, right? But I remember that mistake. Yeah. Because at Colgan, I learned every single step that you take matters. Yeah. And I still do that to this day. Every step I take matters. And I think that wine is such a, I mean, if we were, if we were uh, to amplify this or to, to create the metaphor of wine or, or so, which I love doing because wine is one of the most complex uh, things in the world that it's amplified over time and it's amplified via the, the land that you're in. And, and so, I mean, everything matters as far as these little ripple effects and they're just amplified in wine, right? And then that takes me back to philosophy too, right? That's right. It, it is. It's a philosophy. How are you going to make your wine? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my wine hands on. How are you going to make your apple pie? Well, I'm, I'm going to do it with this or that. I'm going to use butter. I'm going to use lard. It's a philosophy. So it, it, a lot of what I'm doing goes back to the philosophy. I think this, or science tells me factually, this is going to happen. I love that. It's a combination of things. Yeah, well, curiosity should, uh, you know, should continue to, to make us better and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. and continue. we should be reminded of that. And I think that, that we do, that's you know, another thing that, that just uh, inspires me when I, when I appreciate wine. Um, wow, we're, go- we're, get- we're, getting, we're getting pretty, pretty out. This is good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just tuning in, my name is Mark Grayshap. This is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, and we're talking live with Randy Hester from C.L. Buteau Winery in, the, in Texas, and as well as Lightning Wines out in California. Uh, Randy, so, so when did Lightning kind of come about, or were there a few more uh, really landmark experiences that you had in Napa before you decided... Let's do, let's do my own project. Yeah, you know, you get to a point where, you know, if we go back to our goals and our plans, our two-year, five-year, ten-year, you have to get to a point, with wine, you have to get to a point where you say, we have to start buying fruit. We have to start making something. Right. So we can make a rosé today, um, this harvest right now. I could go, we could, you and I could go down to Lubbock and pick some fruit and come and make some rosé and we could release that wine in February or March or April or, you know, whatever your philosophy tells you what you want to do. Right. Um, with a red wine, which is the, the, the big game, right? That's the big leagues. You want to make red wine. If you're a winemaker, you want to make great red wine. Um, that, that's, you have to be two, three, four years out thinking about that. You have yeah. to think about your, your relations with your farmers. Where am I going to get the fruit? Um, how am I going to make this wine? What's it going to look like? I need, a, I need to work on the, the, the design and the idea, the feel of the brand. So you start thinking about all these things. So meanwhile, I have a day job. You know, I'm working at Colgan. Then I'm working at Realm Cellars. And then I'm working for Andy Erickson. And uh, 2012 was the last year that I worked for someone else. In 2013, I was independent. Yeah. So we started making the wine in 2011. While, while you had your day job, exactly. So we we should kind of mention some of these other wineries really quickly because mm-hmm. um, they're they're not light hitters. Uh, <laughs> you know, Realm Cellars um, 
and um, with Mr. Kirby, Mike Kirby, right? That's uh, right, Mike and, Kirby. And then Andy Erickson. Tell us just in a, just a minute or so, like their kind of what they had going on and how you fit into, into oh, there. Man. Or we could take in that more than a couple, of, a, a minute or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Realm, Realm was a great experience because Mike is this super, he's this sensitive, this, this poet, this, um, and he's very cerebral and he's, He's literally a rock star. He's, he, he plays lead guitar and sings for two bands in Napa Valley, you know? He's, uh, he's this amazing, amazing dude. And I enjoy uh, when men make more feminine styles of wine. I think sometimes men tend to sort of force their will on the wine. And uh, I think the, the wines just, they're kind, of, they're kind of dumb. They're kind of mushy in my mouth and... Um, they're, they're, it's not a great style, and Herbie is not like that. Herbie is this sensitive winemaker, this sensitive sort of poetic kind of winemaker. Um, so he was incredible, right? I mean, he was he was fantastic. And then uh, our our uh, consulting winemaker was Michelle Roland. So again, just big time heavy hitter. Yeah, from Bordeaux, but now flying all around the world, consulting and right. what can so I, I want you to clarify this. Did um, because there's a lot of lashback against maybe him or these what what are called flying winemakers mm-hmm. who you know come in for just a second and taste and then are supposed to spout off these grand uh, ideas or, or uh, grand techniques or, or grand decisions that mm-hmm. will have such a, 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 and from your point of view. Was there any resentment, or were, did you like get that he was worth all of that? The, that that movie, whatever that movie that he was in, uh, they, they made him look terrible. Right. No, but but I think that um, it wasn't just that movie, and I, 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 yeah, for, yeah, I forget. The, but the sense in general is, is that uh, maybe that's unnecessary. That's an unneeded position. Right. I can tell you, you and, saw him and, in action. Oh, dude, he, he he's a genius. I I don't know. I still, to this day, I'm in awe of, of how he worked. Watching him work, he, was, he quietly went about his business. He, he wanted to know, you know, what, what are the blends that we're looking at? What are the price points? He got his calculator, and you didn't hear from him again. <laughs> and he went to work, and we all went to work to, to help that process. He's a genius. He, he, I don't know how he does what he does, and he does it all over the world. He's considered the most influential winemaker on the planet. Sure. And he's got more 100-point wines than anybody. He's like Nolan Ryan in strikeouts, right? <laughs> Nobody will ever catch that. Right. And then, you know, and then working with Andy. Andy was my last job. Andy Erickson, most known for, for his time at Screaming Eagle, but um, Dalaval, and, and we were working on a brand-new project. And, and Andy, again the common thread is let it be what it's going to be, but keep it between the lines. Right. You know, you have to be on it all day, every day, but just from a perspective of, of observation. Do you think that it's harder to do that? Let it be, but keep it in the, in the lines in Texas. Do we have to do something? Do we have to, um, do we not know where the lines are? Do we, do we have to um, push certain things, or do we have to, um, yeah? Do we do we have to kind of shove it over so the lines are in a in a different place? You know, is 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 there a, you can, a difficulty? You can only do that if your fruit is good. Right. Okay. So there's a kind of a catch twenty two there. That 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 could be where you would say, no, we we can't do that. You know, make wine that way in Texas. 
Texas wine has to be made. Well, not if you work with the right growers who give you the right fruit to begin with. If I go buy a bunch of mushy, chopped up apples with pine needles and doodle bugs all in it, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to make a really bad pie with that. But if I get pristine apples, I can take those to my kitchen and do what I want to do with it. I don't have to make that pie. That pie yeah. will make itself. You yeah. know, so it's the fruit. So that that people always talk about the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. You know, marketing meetings and everything else. Oh, it goes back to the fruit and the farmers and blah blah blah. It, it is it is extremely true, and I know a lot of it is lip service because a lot a lot of people don't commit to that. But it is it is the it's the what the magic bullet. The magic right. bullet is buy good fruit. Right. Let it do what it's going to do. So you, um, so you started buying fruit in California first for the Lightning Wines Project. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to kind of explore the Grenache, Syrah, Morved, or Cunoise, what we think of as the Rhone varietals, because they've been growing in the Rhone Valley for all this time, and uh, now we're exploring them in Texas. Where they've been exploring them in California for a while. Did you see that that was maybe a niche that other winemakers weren't exploring? to the extent of their potential or was it just it just hit your flavor profiles the right way and those were the wines you wanted to make yeah it it, it didn't have to do with filling a void it, it was simply what do what do i want to drink myself so i i chose varietals that i'm interested in and i make them in a style that i want to consume them in and uh and, and mike herbie mike herbie told me well, I was trying to figure out my style. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make these wines. There's a million ways, right? There's a million different wines all over the world. What am I going to do, right? Yeah, and yeah. so I, Mike was one of the people that I asked, and he said, make what you want to make and find who you want to drink it with you, right? <laughs> right. Find the person that wants to drink it with you. So, so that's what I do. Yeah. I, I, make, I make what I want to make in a style I want to make. If y'all don't want to buy it, I, I, I'm going to drink it. I'm fine with that. I'm good with it. You know, I've got a slew. I will never run out of wine. Uh, I'm good with that. Although, you know, lightningwines.com, you can, you, you can do whatever you do. But, uh, but, but you see what I'm saying? You know, I, I like Rhones. I drink Rhones. Uh, I drink Burgundies. I drink Pinots. I drink Syrahs. I drink Grenache. So, and then I'm in, I'm in Napa, right. right? So then there's, you know, economics have to come into play. If, all of my experiences in cult cab and education, but that's a that's a big 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 deal. That's a that's a lot of big money projects. Right. So I, you know I we're I'm mom and pop. We're doing this out of out of our back pocket. So what can we actually afford to do? What can we actually afford to make? So we don't own vineyards. Right. We don't own a winery. We rent space at well equipped wineries, and we buy fruit from from the farmers who we think do it better than anybody else. That gives us, that gives me the best chance of making my wine better than anybody else. Right. So we're very cash lean that way, but um, it, it, that's the most important piece. And then, you know, you were really focused on Napa and you're in Napa, but you're also, you've also been exploring within Grenache and within the Syrah Grenache and these Rhone varietals. Uh, you've been exploring other counties, other parts of California too. Is that just kind of like a, 
oh my goodness, now that I'm independent, now that it's mine, it's like I can do whatever I want. Was that basically, then you can explore different soil profiles, Mendocino or El Dorado, what you were talking about, you know, all over Central Coast, mm -hmm. whatever you need to do. What was that decision like? Well, you know, again, if you think about Napa Valley, you're, you're, you're every plant out there basically is Bordeaux varietals or, or Chard and Sauv Blanc. So just out of necessity, I had to go out and find other fruit. But while, while I'm also, you know, trying to define my style, trying to figure out what kind of wine I'm going to make, I'm, I'm, we, but we went through probably 75, 80 bottles of California Grenache or Grenache blends. And because we're not going to escape California fruit. I mean, that's a good thing, but right. you know, you're, you're in California, you're making wine with California fruit. So what do other California Rhones taste like and, and how am I going to fit myself in there? So you start to realize that all the best vineyards are nowhere near Napa Valley. <laughs> uh, there, you know, there's a couple here and there. I think you had, you had, um, uh, Lee Hudson yeah. was, was on, uh, you know, there's a couple, couple spots here and there, but then people like Mike Herbie and Andy Erickson take them all. Right. You know what I mean? So, so where does Randy Hester fit in? <laughs> right. So, uh, so, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, some of the same vineyards kept popping up some of the same sites. And so I just called, I, I made a list, uh, rated them by what I wanted. And I just made the phone calls. Uh, the first phone call, I got fruit. Second phone call, I got fruit. Third call, phone call, I got fruit. So, you know, I just simply said, look, here's who I am. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I've been doing. Can you sell me some fruit? And that's how we got going. It's great, great explanation of the California days, of the early days. Yeah. Um, with Lightning Wines, I'm here in the studio, KOOP, Hornsby, Austin, live in Austin, Texas, with Randy Hester from Lightning Wines and C.L. Buteau out of Texas. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to get back with Randy on uh, what, the, what the direction is in California, and also where he's going in Texas, world-class Tempranillo, all of the other great varieties that he's going to start to explore. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is Co-op Radio. All right, we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. K-O-O-P, H-D-1, H-D-3, Hornsby. You know it as Co-op Radio uh, out of Austin, Texas. So we're, we're getting into our busy season as far as trying to make sure that uh, everybody knows what's going on. I just heard that uh, Napa Valley, or not Napa Valley, but California uh, brought in some of their first fruit already, which is very early, out of Lodi, I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, we're talking with Randy Hester live in the co-op studios. Uh, his projects out of California, Lightning Wines, lightningwines.com. And uh, in Texas, C.L. Buteau, 2014 is the first vintage there, and so we're just starting to see what, what Randy is creating in Texas, and I'm very excited. So, um, so wow. So, what, what, what is, your, your life's about to get pretty busy, right? It, yeah, it, it, I, I have to tell people, if you want to do anything during harvest, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, right. The answer is no. My birthday is September 28th, and I haven't celebrated my birthday in 11 years. Um, you know, mom wants to come visit, nephews want to go swim, you know, whatever it is, the answer is no, I can't because inevitably you plan something and then it doesn't work out. Yeah. And it's just not my choice The the weird 
the probably the weirdest thing that I do all years is is the grapes tell you what needs to be done. You know, I don't say I know a guy one time who changed his pick because his brother-in-law's flight got canceled and didn't jive with his schedule. Right. I don't know. I thought that was really lame. <laughs> I thought that was really lame. Brother's going to have to wait, or he's going to have to Uber, or he's going to have to figure it out. Right. Um, the grapes tell you what to do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm basically on lockdown, and I'm in both states. I Before I was in both states, I was at 100% of my picks. I think it's really important. I stay in touch with the with with the farmers all year long. We're visiting. We're talking. We're we're in meaning if you're if you're working with a farmer, you don't technically have to be there for the harvest. You could send somebody to pick it up or so. And if it's if all the chemistry is right or whatever, um, and and you've got a, a good impression on when it's ready, you don't really have to be there. But you like to be there. I absolutely do. Yeah. 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 And, and the chemistry is going to be right because you've been working with them this whole time. You know what it's leading up to. You're targeting, you're seeing the chemistry come into focus. You can start to, to plan that out. Um, and I think the farmers love it. You know, they love it that you're involved with them. Right. They're not going to be involved with you pretty soon and they're going to miss it. They've been working on this all year long, and now I'm going to go to the winery, and I, I probably won't see them again for a while. Yeah. But I, I love that, and, and before I was in both states, uh, I was at 100% of my picks. I'm probably at, I could say probably 90% now. Yeah. Um, that'll, that'll increase. Give us a sense as to how that's going to go down, because are you going <laughs> to... So uh, the, theoretically, the Texas harvest will, will happen first right theoretically and then you'll and then you'll pick up and then you'll grab a hotel in in napa and then be there for that but it, it might not work out like that Ooh, I, I wish it would work out like that that okay. sounds wonderful <laughs> uh i'll be back and forth wow. i'll be back and forth a lot a lot so mm. yeah we're, and, and plus grenache is early too grenache is an early red right so if i'm just all cab then i'm gonna be picking Blanc de Bois here in the end of June, and then I'm going to be picking some Marsan, Roussan, Viognier, whatever here, and then we're going to start looking at some Sauv Blanc in California. Right, and you know that th that all sounds great, but basically all of my fruit comes within about a month, so wow. I get hammered. Wow, yeah, I get hammered. So let's so Grenache. You 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 made reference to Grenache being a, an earlier ripening fruit. What what if folks who are not familiar with California Grenache? What what does it taste like? What does it draw? You know what 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 do you what are you drawn to in the fruit? And um you know and 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 then we can kind of talk about Syrah, some of the other California stuff that you do. Uh, but Grenache is a big piece. You make a Lightning Wines Grenache. Yes. So Grenache is the is the show. For Lightning Wines, Grenache is the show. It's Grenache and Grenache-based blends. Every wine that I, every vineyard of Grenache that I have starts off in my mind as a as a wine club wine, mm -hmm. um, and then I I will sort out um, usually two barrels. It's usually about uh, fifty or seventy-five cases for wine club purpose, and then uh, the rest, then I make a California blend of 100% Grenache from all of my vineyards, mm -hmm. and then um, the the sort of Chateauneuf, tip of the hat to Chateauneuf with my 
Grenache Syrah Mavedras and Sokunwa's blend. Right. Yeah. And those get you get and that's kind of your 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 moment to be a little bit artistic as far as maybe playing with different flavors or is it just is that not the the thought is kind of what the fruit gives you? Yeah, well, you know, at that point in the year it's close to Halloween and I just pretend I'm Michelle Roland, you know, and I'm <laughs> sitting there with all my with all my stuff and <laughs> smoking cigarillos and you know, talking about hunting in Argentina. Uh no, no, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun, but Grenache is, is just interesting to me. It's, um, it's earthy, it's spicy, it's tannic. You know, a lot of Grenache is, you, people would say Grenache is a, a rustic varietal. Right. Well, challenge accepted. Um, I'm, I'm coming out of cult cab. I prefer an elegant Pinot. So, yeah, man, I just try to, you know, Grenache is going to give us, on the non-rustic side, it's going to give us, you know, raspberry, cranberry, pomegranate, cherry, right? It's going to give us these bright, juicy red fruits. And then on the savory side, it's going to give us black pepper and white pepper. So, so the, the challenge for me is always the tannins, mm. you know, the, the, the rustic part of it. So the, the typicity of the varietal is to bright, bright red fruits, but then you get it in your mouth and it's a little too, too harsh. So I, I work with, with tannins from, from day one. I work, my job is working with Grenache is to tame the tannins from day one and to extract color from day one because that's what Grenache lacks is color and mid palate. Yeah. And so how, how do you do that? I mean, we could probably talk for an hours and hours on how you do that, but what, what's kind of the short thing just to give folks an insight into, so if a grape is that, uh, you know, um, light in color and light in mid palate, how, how do you kind of coax more out of it? Well, my process in general is, is pretty natural. Mm -hmm. So I go with native fermentations. I go with indigenous yeast, and um, I, I, I let the, the temperatures ride the way they are. I don't, I don't increase temperatures unnaturally to extract more color. Which um, some winemakers do. That is, a, that is definitely a process right. that's done a lot. And it's pretty sexy to do it a lot right now in cab. You know, yeah. hot ferments. A lot of people are even, you know, uh, pressing sweet. Pressing sweet meaning they don't let the ferment go all the way to dry when it gets, uh, when you drop from your original bricks of uh, 32, I, I mean 25, uh, you know, whatever people are picking at and they ferment their wines and it gets down to say like t even 10 bricks, but, but, but safer down to five, down to three bricks remaining, they'll, they'll press it. And that's another way to keep the tannins low, uh, the hot extraction is, is helpful for the colors meaning the color when you press it you're taking you're removing the the solids the skins and whatnot and it will continue to ferment in barrel but just as as juice as wine exactly as young wine yeah, yeah. It, it'll continue to ferment you know in theory it continues to ferment to dryness at that point yeah um but there's just so many problems w with those types of ferments so so i i'm, I'm natural i'm natural i'm native uh, I do a long cold soak. I, I want I want a homogenous whole. I want to know the chemistry of the wine before I let those native yeasts go. Uh, they do their thing. I tend to them. I punch them down. I pump them over. Um, I extract um, from that, and I and I go all the way to dry. I, yeah. I, I like to take the wines to dry. There's no more sugar left to ferment, and I put them to barrel. 
at that point, I think the way that I'm stirring, I think this, uh, the stirring on the lees becomes my big sort of stealth bomber, my sort of my, again, my magic bullet, right, right. if you will. It's um, surly aging is a Chardonnay process. It's, uh, it's, it's made for making your Chardonnay creamy, uh, bigger, heavier, kind of more weighty, more weight in the mouth. I use it on all my reds. I think it's a beautiful process for red wines. Um, I think that it turns that rustic, gr uh, tannic Grenache into this elegant, chocolatey tannin. Yeah. And, and you can taste it. It's a, it's a house style. You can taste it whether it's in the Texas Tempranillo or the California Grenache. There's something about it now that I have so many years in this with, with doing what I want to do with my wine. It's fun that way, and that—that's kind of how I go about it. Yeah. Okay. We need to uh, change gears to um, to Texas, and because you've come out with um, with your Tempranillo, your 2014 Tempranillo, and it's gotten a lot of praise already. Ooh. I mean, being from uh, mostly from my mom, <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know it's. Um, and it's, I think Tempranillo in general, people are very excited in Texas. And, mm -hmm. um, but what are your impressions? I mean, as far as what the industry is putting out now, and then I mean, you mentioned some of your techniques to, uh, least stirring and all that kind of thing, but what, what, how are you kind of wanting to move forward with Tempranillo? And, and we should say, so 2014 is, is your first vintage and that's the current vintage, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So we started making that wine in 2014. That wine is out of Brownfield, Texas. Um, and, you know, the, the, the wine industry, the political climate in the Texas wine industry is, is pretty, pretty bizarre. <laughs> I think I stay out of all of that stuff cause it's so splintered and you never know who's on board with what, but, um, uh, I wanted, <laughs> I, I wanted it to be, uh, it's Brownfield people, it's Brownfield land, it's a Brownfield winery. It, it, it never left Brownfield, Texas until it got in the bottle. So I, that was very important. It's very important to me to keep my California wines and my Texas wines completely separate. Yeah. Um, it, it just has to be that way. I don't want anybody thinking, oh, I'm bringing something from California and I'm putting in my Texas wine. That, that, that is not. It's 100% a, it's a Texas. It's 100% Tempranillo. Tempranillo, I think, if you say, you know, Cabernet is the wine of Napa, Pinot Noir is the wine of Sonoma. I, I think Tempranillo, for my money, uh, Tempranillo is is the wine for Texas. And I think different people, different growers might have different varietals planted. Mm -hmm. So they're going to say that their varietals are the, you know, what's going to be <laughs> in Texas. And then there's different wineries who have invested in different, you know, varietals. They're going to tell you something as well. But um, in my research and, and for, for what I think Texas is going to do in the future, I think Tempranillo is it. Uh, there's definitely room for many others. Um, we can grow a lot of varietals well here, which is what's probably most exciting from, from my, from the winemaker, from the seller production standpoint, because we don't have to just make Pinot Noir all day, every day. Right. We don't have to just make Cab all day, every day. There's a lot of stuff that we can do here. And, what, and is that a, a, a testament to the variety of regions, the variety of soil types, or, or have we, and we've only probably just touched the iceberg as far as what we can grow um, as, as far as moving forward? Yeah, you know, fortunately we've been 
people have been experimenting with varietals now for years, for, for a lot of years now. So 15 years ago, we were still having the conversation here in Texas about what grows well here. We don't even know what grows well here. Well, right. that, that's true. We didn't. Right. Um, we, had a, we had some, we had some uh, probably three main families who uh, planted a bunch of fruit, and that's what grows well here. That's it, right? That, that was the thing 15, 20 years ago. Even 10 years ago, we start to narrow that down a bit. We start to realize how many different temp- Tempranillos are drinking really well, or how many Tanats are drinking really well, or how many Blanc du Bois, yeah. uh, another political uh, <laughs> variety. But still, Blanc du Bois is good. It's, it's, it's like a, a California Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we know this a lot better now than we ever did. Uh, what I tell people when they ask, well, oh, man, I, I didn't know y'all made wine in Texas. I'm like, well, yeah, they make wine probably every single place on the planet at this point. <laughs> so Texas is not exempt from that. And they say, well, what do, you, what do you make? Well, I tell people Mediterranean varieties. Think of the Mediterranean coast. Think of um, all the way from, you know, Spain to Italy. And think about Montepulciano and uh, Alianico and Tempranillo and Grenache and Syrah. And there's all these varietals that are going to do really, really well here in Texas. And um, I want to get on board with it. You know, I, I, I've got uh, a couple of farmers that have Grenache in the ground. We're going to be buying that from them. I'm going to be doing Tempranillo and Grenache blend. And um, there, it, there's a lot to do here. And we're very, very, very fortunate that we're really starting to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're, we're uh, kind of on the tail end of our interview here with Randy Hester. We need to take one last short break before we get some final thoughts and talk about his rosé and plans for Blanc de Bois and, um, and also these other grape varieties that he is going to be uh, including into the Tempranillo. And, uh, and, and I, I like his impression as to where growers are going and, uh, and et cetera. So Randy has made wine extensively in California uh, and still has a project in California called Lightning Wines, and he's continuing to make wines there, lightningwines.com. And uh, his project here in Texas, uh, very exciting, C.L. Buteau and um, C.L. Buteau uh, Wines.com. C.L. Buteau Wines.com. C.L. Buteau.com. C.L. Buteau.com. And, uh, and yeah, let's take one last short break and we'll be right back with uh, last thoughts from Randy Hester. Support for Co-op comes from the 64th Annual Texas Association of Broadcasters Annual Convention and Trade Show. The convention will be held on August 9th and 10th at the Renaissance Austin Hotel and will include seminars, a trade show, and an awards ceremony. For information and registration, you may visit tab.org. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, Austin and the world. Uh, uh, This has been Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P, HD1, HD3, Hornsby, out of Austin, Texas. But we do stream online at koop.org, and we podcast all of our interviews. uh, Most of the MPA, the News and Public Affairs shows, have podcasts, and uh, you can find uh, the podcast of this show, a link to the archive at koop.org slash another bottle down, and of course on iTunes and Stitcher and all of that. Um, so, so Randy, the, 
let, tell us a little bit about the rosé because you know Texas, I think, is known getting known for rosé and uh, and it's super hot right here in Austin. Everybody loves rosé, especially during these dog days of summer. Tell us, tell us, do you love making rosé? I love rosé. Yeah, I could drink rosé all year long. We uh, so for lightning wines, we we that's a wine club wine for us at this point. It's so popular that we kind of have to. Um, you know, dial back on the sales of that wine, but I selfishly, I want that wine available at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I want to sell out of Rosé at Thanksgiving. I want to be going back to sort of my, my inspiration to be on tables across the country. I want ro- my rosé on Thanksgiving tables. Can you specify what makes rosé so good with Thanksgiving? We, we always do a Thanksgiving show here, but, but get us hungry for turkey. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you know, if you, if you just think about it's coming from a red wine. You know, part of it, you know, there's this savory, there's this savory component and there's this uh, red wine satisfaction that you can get from a rosé. I take the rosés very seriously. I, I, I make them very specific to what I want because I make for, for CL Buto and for Lightning, I make one rosé, right? Yeah. So I don't, uh, I, I want it to be just what I want it to be. And I, what I want is uh, clear, clean, exciting fruit. I want a savory component because I, I don't just want a fruity rosé. Um, they're dry. I don't make any sweet wines at all. And there's something very satisfying for a red wine drinker about rosé. And then you can also, you're serving it chilled, right? So that's a huge bonus. Um, I think a lot of red wines are served too hot anyway. Right. And then, and then a lot of white wines are served too cold, but... Um, it just goes it goes all year long it goes with every dish yeah it's crazy i i love it yeah and there's it's it's um again it might come back to also your um your the way that you think about tannins when and this creaminess to the wine that i think that the creaminess uh really does well with the rosé and you do a little bit of barrel with the rosé too right that gets yes. gives you that creaminess yes so you know one of the things that i, I didn't mention about cake bread was uh, the complexity of their their winemaking, and it's something that uh, I integrate into mine, and I, I use different techniques to pull out different components of, of whatever it is I'm working with. And so, um, you know, with rosé, it is it's going to be well. I'll use the white wine for instance, the CDP Blanc from Lightning. Four varietals uh, picked on the same day, so you have four different varietals, and probably coming from at least three different farms. Picked on the same day, wow. so you've got this this complexity right there, just in the in the varietals themselves. They're going to come to the winery. We're going to co-ferment them. We're going to um, we're going to take it. We're going to start it with native fermentation. I'm going to finish it with a Burgundian yeast. So complexities there, layers of flavors, layers of flavors. Think about going back to the kitchen again, building your sauce, browning that butter. You know whatever it is that you're doing, you're building, you're building, you're building. Same way with wine. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so it's part barrel, it's part stainless, it's going to be part native, part Burgundian, it's going to be part uh, partial ML as well. So you have some crisp, clean components coming from the stainless. You've got some, some uh, sort of uh, creamier components coming from the barrel or coming from malolactic fermentation. Uh, I, I get weird with it. I could, I could geek out. I could geek out. Uh, uh, keep it simple, but uh, yeah, I, well, I love those wines. So we've got um, we've got about a minute and a half left. To, you know, in that time, 
where is where are you going? I mean, of course, you're excited about Tempranillo. We're going to kind of see some of these other Mediterranean varieties here in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. What what else? Like, what is what is kind of uh, some other exciting things? I mean, Pickpool is that an interesting grape? Love, We've talked about it on this show a bit, but yeah. but this is interesting coming from a California winemaker who is excited about kind of a grape that is native to the south of the U.S. Yeah, no, Pickpool is going to do well here. We've got some Pickpool coming down the pipe. I think Grenache, once, so the guys that I'm working with on Grenache, once we get them dialed to, because Grenache is super hard to grow. It's really hard to grow. It bleaches out when it's too much sun. Uh, It has to be cropped low, which a lot of folks don't want to do because that's not super profitable. Um, So Grenache is tough, but we're going to make some good Grenache here. And... um, and I think you know, I think I should mention too the uh, Wine and Food Foundation, the uh, Wine and Food Foundation of Texas and Texas Monthly chose our Tempranillo as their favorite wine for 2016. Yes, every year they they release along with Jessica Dupuy yeah. at uh, Toast and Roast, and uh, and your your wine got um, top Texas wine from that uh, from that little um, soiree, and it was kind of a competition that Jessica runs. So congratulations to that. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks so much. That was a big deal, and I think it's a big deal for Texas. Um, you know, to, to be recognizing wines, uh, yeah. it's the, the, the marketing, the, the approach for Texas wines has changed tremendously in the last five years. And I think that, that, that it, everybody stands to benefit from that, from, from the farmers to the production team, to the consumers, we're on something big. Yeah. Well, we got to shut it down there, Randy. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. Randy Hester with Lightning Wines, lightningwines.com, and clbuto.com out of Texas. We're going to follow you. We're going to stay in touch, man. Maybe we can call you in the vineyard sometime. Let's do it. Let's meet somewhere next time we can drink some wine. All right. This has been Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P, HD1, HD3, Hornsby, and koop.org. We'll see you next week when we'll be talking a whole lot more wine, as usual. Till then. Enjoy some wonderful wine. Enjoy some Texas Tempranillos and all that good stuff. We'll see you next week.